don't know, like Ratchet and Movie Boy How, or something. D- yeah, like, I guess. Like, I got nothing for this. I, this this could be a like a, this might be a challenging endeavor yeah. in general. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I guess I could have said Paul G our Movie Boy. Oh yeah, that because because as as I said before we started the recording, Paul Giamatti is on my mind um, a lot. Paul Giamatti Paul, is in the movie. Paul on the brain. Little little bit of that Paul on the brain. A um, little bit of that Giamatti mind. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's in this film that we're doing today. We're doing Ratchet and Clank. If you didn't know, uh, the 2016 film that came out in 2016. And did it come out in 2016? It no. did. Yeah, 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 2016, yeah. Because um, I know the game did, because I played that. And in essence, Well, in, the game was supposed to come out in 2015, but it was delayed so that it could be t- uh, timed for the movie, because yeah. the movie would need a little extra push. Which is a shame, because if it had come out in 2015, maybe I'd have forgotten more of it, because yeah. then more of the film would have felt like I was watching a film and not just, like, watching Cut someone else play game? the game. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. In some cases, it seems somewhat literally cutscenes from the game. Um, if if not, certainly the same fucking script, which isn't a plus point. Um, should it's we not introduce a, ourselves? Uh, I guess we should do the podcast like normal. Uh, I, I don't want to. We're just rep- so blown by not having anything to say right at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, plus, I've I've already learned that people don't like it when they don't know the premise for a podcast until long into it. Uh, <laughs> hello, everyone. We, we, to... we had that problem with Fish Shark. Uh, oh, that's we're still true. waiting for... We should probably explain the premise at some point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that really accounts for most of what we do. In that, in that yeah. regard, the spin-off Doctors is at least... It's on brand. It's on brand, and it's it's... You know, got a concept that's tangible, um, and, and and you know serves a purpose. So we do the spin-off doctors. <laughs> we do, we do. I mean, that's we do. Not that's untrue. true. That's not untrue. It yeah. just it, it struck me after I said it that it was odd to say that when this is the spin-off doctors. This is the spin-off doctors, and we uh. Oof. We didn't stick Did... the takeoff. Can you stick a takeoff? Can, can you... <laughs> uh, now, did you? Were you aware? And I hadn't thought of this until recently. The name of our show abbreviates to Sods, and now that's feeling very appropriate. <laughs> we are a pair of little Sods. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Welcome, like, like we're a pair of little Sods. I'm Jim Sterling, and I'm. I've gotten their name out. And uh, make sure to get mine out first. And of course. I'm also joined by Conrad Zimmerman. Hello. Hello. Uh, I've been awake you? since 2 a.m. Oh, that'll do it then. Yeah. 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 I should have waited for you to ask how I was before rudely just telling you how I was. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been awake since 2 a.m. I, I do this thing where sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night, as as people sometimes do. Sure. Um, but then I'll think it's a good idea to check my phone. So I'll scroll through Twitter and then, you know, I'll see some fools that need taking down. Right. You know, I'm, I, I might need to, to, to put the metaphorical hurt on Edwina Curry because she said something about poor children. You know, I might need to do that. Or I might go on 
uh, Reddit and see what people are saying on um, basically just the Jim Sterling unofficial subreddit uh, because because they like me there, and then I just get to read nice things about me. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll, you know, look at any messages I might get, like like emails that annoy me, like I might get another brand deal offer from BBTV. Um, they've sent me nine now to the email address that is specifically right next to where you would find it on the contact page, next to a note that says, advertisers, I don't do brand deals or sponsorships or adverts. Don't email me. And then they email me saying, I love your site. Fucking disingenuous, fucking slimy, f- snail people. And so the, the long and short of it is, is that you wake up at 2 a.m. and you start working without realizing it. And then you're yes. awake. Yeah. Yes. And then my brain is basically navvy from fucking Ocarina of Time going, listen, hey, hey, in my fucking head all night long. Well, what's the point of staying in bed at that? Well, that's it. Yeah. I managed. I, I managed to, while still conscious, last in the bed till um, three thirty, I think. And then I was. Oh like, God! You see, that's my idea of hell. Like it's not just, pleasant. Just laying there awake. I can't do it. I have to get up. Like, unless I'm unless I'm physically ill and incapable of getting up, I have to. Yeah, get up. I'm just really good at denial. Like I'm good at telling myself that. <laughs> I will be able to get back to sleep and have a bit more of a kit before I get up. Mm-hmm. Um, even though there is a voice that's just constantly through my mind that's, that says, like, you're going to get out of this bed, Tubbs. Like, you might as well do it now. <laughs> like, you might as well, like, m- make the not-to-that-long trek to the office and plonk your fat self down in front of the computer and look at porn or something. I wasn't looking at porn. Uh, this morning, I actually used the time to watch Ratchet and Clank. Uh, sometimes, if I do, if I you know end up in the situation where I'm up really early, that's when I watch the spin-off Doctor's movie because then it feels like I've I've not lost time. Right. Because, because otherwise, it would be a waste. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I I didn't waste any of my real work day. And it's still Ratchet waste. Yes. It is. Yeah. Um. But mentally like i can compartmentalize that and just think well it was it was only sleeping time so, unproductive sleep were you a big ratchet and clank fan uh no not really i've i've played them yeah and i like them yeah and and that's about it like i don't I don't have any specific love for the series, and, and I don't have any specific dislike of the series. Uh, I like Insomniac a lot as a company. I think they're uh, um, ethically. I think everything I've heard about them's always been lovely. Uh, they have always been delightful in correspondence, even when I gave um, Ratchet and Clank all for one like a four out of ten because it was really quite dismal. Um, and they actually sent me a message and were just really, really cool about it. Um, so I, I really like the studio. Um, they just tend to put out quality, you know, consistent yeah, quality. Like, this game will not be a shit heap unless it's all for one. Um, and even then, a four, is that a shit heap? It's just uh, below no, average. No, yeah, it's not a shit heap. It's still comp- It still works as a game, you know. Um, they, they've never 
in in my, my memory put out something truly truly uh, yeah. abhorrent. Uh, so yeah, uh, I I liked Up Your Arsenal a lot mm-hmm. um, because that was the game that introduced Doctor Nefarious. And while I'm not a, I mean, I don't really care about Ratchet and Clank as protagonists, which has been part of the barrier to my enjoying the games. Uh, I just don't find them very interesting as as characters. Uh, I will always uh, take a peek at a Ratchet and Clank game if Nefarious is involved. Mm-hmm. Um, it's part of my disappointment with All for One is because he's uh, playable in that, and and I just hate that he was playable in a game that I found you know as disappointing as I did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, huge fan of of Nefarious, played by fucking Armin Shimmerman, of course. Of course. Fucking oh. Such a, so beautiful and such a talent. <laughs> I've got to say, um, no, really, really incredible performer, uh, and nefarious. Probably for me, um, even though he's not a better written character and and not you know, not as fleshed out. I probably <coughs> my favourite character he does. Like I would put him above Andrew Ryan mm. as a character that just from a. And I enjoy seeing this on the screen perspective. I right. just enjoy hearing Armin just shriek and scream as this maniacal robot, uh, as he is in the games and, and at the very end of this movie, spoilers, um, in his sort of screechy robot voice. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, that's what I think of Ratchet & Clank. I talked for a long time there. I didn't... I got to the series pretty late because um, I didn't play any of, like, the original trilogy on PlayStation 2. Um, not for any particular reason. I, uh, Jack and Daxter somehow attracted me more, which is weird because it's way more collect-a-thon-y. And uh, that, see, that stuff... that one I, I that, really that, had no interest in. That stuff normally turns me off, but I really, for whatever reason, got super into the 3D platforming in the original Jack and Daxter. Right. And I tried to play the second one and then tried to play the third one as well. Like, it's all edgelord crap and and whatever. And I think there was a certain charm uh, and childlike mystery to the original one that helped keep me engaged. Uh, whereas Ratchet and Clank, that was a game about guns, you know, funny, weird guns. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's fine. There was nothing wrong with that, but it didn't, you know, jump off the page to me. Um, and then I wound up getting into it in the, uh, um, the time series, like the, okay. and I can't remember what they called that. Uh, but the ones that were a little more Clank focused and I liked those. And I think it's just, that I like Clank. As a character. Right. Um, I think he's kind of interesting. Uh, Nefarious as well is, is interesting. But yeah, so I wound up skipping a lot of like the formative uh, Ratchet and Clank. And, and that kind of makes me want to play the new one. Just owing that it's sort of a reimagining of how Ratchet and Clank became friends and heroes. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I could get behind that. I, I think the games are really well designed and they're they're fun uh, and they don't require a lot of brain power. Yeah, yeah, there's just, I guess, yeah, yeah. It, it's something I just can't really get all that invested in. Right, well, that's, that's and, and maybe that's 
the key to it for me when I'm playing these kinds of games is that I don't have to have a whole lot of investment in them. It's just like, oh, I'm going to blow some stuff up for a little while and work my way through an area, kill some yeah. enemies and a boss. Well, I mean, like, I like... I mean, you're talking to a Dynasty Warriors player. Sure. Like, I like that. There's just something a little... I don't even... It's so hard to describe, but there's just something about the, the combat even in Ratchet and Clank that's just so... It's there. Yeah. Like, I just... I don't feel all that immediate satisfaction from all the wacky, funny guns. Yeah. Uh, maybe because they are so wacky and funny that they... The, uh, meaningful impact in them... Like, I don't mm. get that sense. Like, the the buzzsaw blade weapon, like, it, it doesn't feel like I'm firing circular saws at things. Which would, obviously, for a game like this, be horrific for the children. Right. Which is why it doesn't... It's, it's a game about guns in a very childlike universe. Um, and that oh doesn't my quite God. work. Oh my God. I bet the NRA's funding this shit. <laughs> They're trying to get our kids young. Look so how much fun that guns was are, kids. That's a political message missing from this film. Like that's what what I I didn't pick up on. I was trying to. I was waiting for the anti-immigration <laughs> message that comes with all of these films. Uh, but apparently, no. It was a, a stealth second amendy deal. <laughs> shit. Mm. I knew oh, we'd God. find something in here. Because that's the thing. Like, this is one of those And that's movies... it. The sequel is called Don't Tread on Me. <laughs> Which actually does sound conceivable for a Ratchet Clank For a Clank Ratchet Clank, yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's really good. You should suggest that to them. I will. I will. Yeah. I'll say, call the next one Don't Tread on Me. Don't, don't ask what it means in this country. Are they American company or Canadian? I'm not sure. I, I, should, I feel like I should know that. But I don't. Yeah. I, I feel I. I want to say that they are like they seem like a, um, a California company, don't they? Just yeah. in tone, and they are an American located in Burbank. There you go. Oh, there we are. Okay. Oh, so they might know. They might know. It's fifty-fifty with an American whether they well, know things. It's California, American so they're so fucking liberal. I'm sure that they have no idea. <laughs> Oh, God. I just insulted all Americans. Yeah, that's okay. That's all right. Uh, I apologize. I'm... You're working on your citizenship now, so it's, you know. I'm basically you're... one of you. It's aspirational at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, honestly, no room to talk, given my country. Um, oh. Absolutely no room to talk. Uh, about at least there's English. hope for France right now. Yeah. We can have some yeah. hope for France. Just... You know, Can just you imagine for a, a couple of days before we're all fried in the nuclear fires? It would be nice if France had a couple of days off. Can you imagine if France became the the world power of inclusion? How fucking weird would that be? Like the the pro globalization force are those uptight elitist French. Yeah, I like the French. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, I like their culture. Yeah. I like their food. I like this one show they did called Hello, Hello. <laughs> okay. Is that it? Okay, so I've just insulted all our French listeners as well. Um, how, uh, should we talk about the film? Yeah, I guess we should. Um, I mean, 
I'm this joking is... about everything I've said, by the way. Yeah. Although I do genuinely like Hello Hello. And Even I genuinely, British I genuinely can't stand French the French. Accents. I genuinely can't stand the French. At yeah. all. No. Well, yeah. I mean, Conrad, Conrad is a notorious xenophobe. So uh, racist. Yeah, he's actually working on his British citizenship right yes. now. Not because, <laughs> not because he likes Britain or indeed any country that isn't America, but just so he can join UKIP. Yep. That's how, <laughs> that is how xenophobic he is. See, this will be interesting because I've got a contingent of Nigel Farage fans on, <laughs> who watch the Jimquisition. And that's to be expected just because it's YouTube and weird little compartmentalized fan bases are going to happen. Right. I wonder how many people who listen to the podcasts are going to be offended if I said that Nigel Farage is that feeling you get when you think of a worm and a leech fucking each other. Well, I'm offended. Well, I, I mean, obviously, as, as, as someone who's gunning for his, uh, his UKIP membership, <laughs> obviously... You're you're very upset. I'm, I'm literally holding a vibrator in my hands as I'm talking. <laughs> I just realised that. Like I've talked before about my need to. Like I've left the fidget cube in the the front room again, so I was playing with what's on the desk. So you're just and idly stroking a vibe. The the vibrator that I've been um, using as a prop in the Jimquisition. Yeah, and yeah. As as a tax write off. Wibbly wobbly. Turn that off. Uh, I could just leave that on the desk. <laughs> but yeah, it's... Um... I'm going to put that over there. I know it'll end up in my hand again in a minute. And the vibrator. So, like, this is not a... This is not a good movie. I almost no. said this is not a bad movie. Yeah. But it, it is one of those that, like, I worry... It deserves to be said not a good movie, but in a way that... That sounds like you're not saying it's bad. Yeah, like, like it's not a good movie. I'd say I wouldn't it, call it a good movie. It has competencies, right? Yeah, I mean it's it's not unwatchable. It, it's it's perfectly viewable. Um, you know, it's it's not. It's not on the level of Angry Birds, where I watched it so blank faced and so bereft of emotion that I didn't even pick up on how alarming it was. Um, you know, I I could at least watch this and and follow the plot because I gave at least the slightest shit enough to follow the plot. Although that is helped by the fact that this is the second time I've seen the plot because I played the game last year. Mm. And, you know, I, I still lit up every time Nefarious was on the screen, so that was fine. Yeah, I mean, it's... There are jokes in it. Yeah, there are some jokes. And, and like, and some legitimate jokes. And, and things that are, are cross-generational. Yeah. So, you know, that they those work. Uh, there, there's, um... But then, you know, this is also a film that, like so many kids' films, and maybe this is a real generation issue that that i'm just now too old for um but you know hashtag word as a joke Mm -hmm. like not even john oliver makes that funny i don't know i like it when when he does that i i actually enjoy it when oliver does it because they are the worst hashtags like the worst hashtags it's like i get it 
I get it. I get they're the worst, yeah. but they're also presented with the kind of preening self-satisfaction that the presentation of any hashtag gets. And I also I enjoy that. I like his... He, he preens self-satisfyingly <laughs> in a very, very good way. I just... I, 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 I don't know. I like, like I mean, Arnold. I like him preening self-satisfyingly. It's not that. It's it's. There's just something about hashtags that I don't... And and I realize I I'm saying this as someone who tweets regularly with hashtags he's made up. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm being perfectly hypocritical in in this criticism of John Oliver. Now, uh, hang on. I just I don't like people yelling hashtag something. Let me ask you a question. After you tweet one of your uh, artisanal handcrafted hashtags, yes, yes, stone baked. Do you? self-satisfyingly preen yourself? Uh, no. Uh, to be fair, I mean, I think sitting at your computer laughing at your own words on a screen is worse. See, so here's, here's the difference between you and me. I sit at the computer and laugh at my own fucking joke. <laughs> well, no, that's what I'm saying I do as well. Oh, okay, all right, yes. Yeah, no, that's worse than the preening, because I will just look at what mm-hmm. I wrote and go, huh, oh, I'll shit, go back- that's funny. I'll go back hours later and be like, <laughs> shit, that's still funny. I am a funny motherfucker. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times I have watched the music video for Mortal Kombat Annihilation jump. Half the 4,000-plus views <laughs> it's got are me. I might be the other half. <laughs> Yeah, if you we really should have brought that up earlier cuz cuz it's amazing and also um I said couscous and Mortal Kombat 2, Mortal Kombat Annihilation is basically the patron saint of the spin-off doctors now. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um yeah. It, I mean, technically its own pantheon of canonized saints. Uh it, it's so beautiful in my heart and and in my mind, but Conrad, uh, and it's on the Conrad Zimmerman YouTube channel, which you should already be subscribed to. Cause I used to tell you about it before I just realized he wasn't going to upload shit. Um, yeah. on the Conrad Zimmerman YouTube channel, uh, look up his music video for the, the, the popular song jump by the pointer sisters, by the pointer sisters, which he has edited mortal Kombat's many flippy jumps, too, as well as other key scenes that just, I mean, I, the, the vidding community has not jumped on this video and hailed it as a masterpiece. Speaks ill of the vidding community. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. That's it is a sad reflection sad. on their, their standards and practices <laughs> as a collection of people that cut up Supernatural and put it to Don't Fear the Reaper. Yeah, yeah. Uh. A sad indictment indeed of these people. (laughs) They had a responsibility. They were too busy, you know, cutting up true blood and putting it to, I don't know. Bob Dylan. Henry Rollins' life. There we go. (laughs) I don't know if that fits. I watched one episode of True Blood. I've I've never seen it. I I think I've seen it in passing. I I had friends who were really into that show. And boy, it sure seemed like something that I should like. And then I heard a little more about the plot, and I was like, nah, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was pretty much the same way. I watched the first one, I was like... I I was like, I already saw this. It was Sundown, the Vampire in Retreat, Um, which I'm going to make you watch that one day. Oh, I'm going to make you watch that one day, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, you're making me feel a little defensive when you talk about that movie. Uh, that's a beautiful movie. It's a beautiful movie. It is. It is. Uh, it has Bruce Campbell in it. Oh. As a Van Helsing. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. You notice it's um, the more you describe Bruce Campbell in a movie, the higher my Skeksis yep. ratio goes. Mm-hmm. Until I, I am just a Jim Henson puppet. But Ratchet and Clank. Ratchet and Clank. Should we describe the film? Yeah, let's just go and let's just go into it because it's. Let's uh, tell people yeah. about that right now. Following a full... hey girl, it's your boy with a fact for you. <laughs> uh, by all means, I didn't. I didn't know I was going to do that. It's been so long since we had a, a had had facts really. Yeah, yeah, well, I watched uh, this one on Amazon, and Amazon X-Ray was there to tell me about the cast, and only a few general trivia facts. Uh, They were actually quite extensively written, but very few and far between. Mm. They they don't have a lot to tell us, but they kicked off with something that coloured the rest of the movie for me. Essentially ruined it. Like, wrecked it. Because I felt... I just felt, like, horrified at the injustice. The the, the sheer injustice of of this story. And it made me hate Paul Giamatti, even though it's not Paul Giamatti's fault. And I want to say, he did a fine performance. But my view of his performance in this movie as Chairman Drag was coloured by this fact that I'm going to give you right now. Kevin Michael Richardson who played Chairman Drek in the original game, who had the role first, I should say, mm-hmm. was supposed to return for the role in the movie, but they quietly, and I don't like the use of that word, they quietly replaced him with Paul Giamatti. Which is a... That feels dickish to me. Yeah, that's unfortunate. A character that you helped make, and, you know, you were pegged to, to play him in the big film... And then just, just they quietly sideline him and bring in, you know, just another Hollywood guy. The fact's not done. Oh, God. The movie company, very helpfully, accidentally mailed Paul Giamatti's check to Kevin Michael Richardson. Oh, place. my God. Oh, my God. Oh, Yes. Shit. I mean, just, just pour the whole goddamn Dead Sea into that wound. Right. Oh. Here's the guy we've replaced you with. Here's how many more zeros he's getting than you were. Oh. Not that I'm suggesting Richardson opened that mail or whatever. Although, how did he know it was a check? Imagine mm-hmm. they could have put his name on it on on the on the end. Well, of course. How else would it get to him? Oh man, that is that is a a highly entertaining payroll fuck up. Yes, yes, highly entertaining for you know the anybody listeners. who's not him. Um, and, and it it would have been entertaining to me had I not then had to watch ninety minutes with Paul Giamatti playing that role that that was not only stolen from another actor but then rubbed right in his face in a in a mon- in a way you can fucking like like 
objectively count with numbers. Yeah. You can put a figure on how badly they fucked with him. Yeah, that is... That's fucked up. Like, and the thing is, is like the character that Giamatti's playing, Chairman Drek. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's perfect for G- for perfect Giamatti for to that. play. Like, he's the... only perfect for Giamatti. But like, it's the kind of move Drek would do to someone. Yes. Like this is like, like, like Drek is a you know your stereotypical capitalist dickhole who doesn't care about his employees and 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 you know. Doing the right thing. Well, he's and a, that's he's, basically he's a what happened here. He's a glucken. They basically stole Chairman Drek from Oddworld. Yeah, yeah, he's a glucken, uh, and I think quietly replacing an actor and then mailing the uh, more uh, famous and clearly better paid actor's paycheck to the old actor is a glucken move. Yep. Oh my god. Hashtag glucken move. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's funny. Well, I mean, it worked as a brick joke. No, I, yeah, that's that is that's deeply unfortunate, and like it doesn't change the fact for me that Paul Giamatti does a great job in this role, but it's so fucking unfortunate that they gave him the role in this way. Yes, because I yes. understand the need for some star power in this, and I think that it's great that they kept around Jim Ward and James Arnold Taylor. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, to their credit, they 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 didn't change everyone. Right, uh, and so. Oh, but but to mail him the check. Yeah, I mean, oh. fuck. So the movie uh, opens but I out. I do think. Hmm? Oh, sorry. I was just going to say. I do think that Richardson does do him in the in the game, though. Well, yeah, because they're not going to give Giamatti yeah. money for the game. So, so he basically also was the understudy, like oh. at a school play. Fuck. Poor guy. I might have to do a whole video about him. Uh, just to celebrate him and just to give him something. I'm sure he's fine. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure he's fucking fine. I'm sure he does very well as a voice actor and it was just another job that he, you know, could replace. Uh, but, you know, I like to think he's miserable. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't. I hope he does well. I want to I, I cheer him up. So following a full minute, an entire minute of animated company logos. Well, I, I wish we'd just spent a minute before getting to the company logos. Yeah. Uh, we open above the planet Tenemule, where Chairman Drek, leader of the race known as the Blarg, uh, is addressing his people and reveals that they're about to do some highly illegal shit. Uh, specifically blowing up a, a planet with a big I weapon. I'd love it if you just said that. If the movie <laughs> opened with, with Chairman Drek coming out and just saying, right, we're going to do some highly illegal shit. <laughs> we also meet Victor, Drek's enforcer, uh, when he eats one of the employee's phones. And I guess, I guess After this is... After an hilarious joke about tweeting. Right, well, that's the thing. I think this is supposed to set the tone for the humor of this film. In a lot of ways. Because yeah. this exchange, this uh, whole sequence with Drek and this one Blarg who is, he's texting. He's not tweeting. Because, uh, you know, in, for, well, for one thing, they, they probably didn't want to say Twitter without getting money from Twitter to say it. 
Yeah. Uh, oh, when I say Twitter joke, like any anything that sure, says sure. social media to me is a Twitter joke. Yeah, you know, and so you have this. I'm old. You have the thing that the parent can relate to with the child tweeting all the time. Uh, and then, you know, they, they I'm keep I'm sure when Ivanka it. saw that scene, she laughed her head off. <laughs> they. <laughs> that was fucking gold. That was good. That was good. They continue. You know, Hashtag they do the, Ivanka's the mom. They do the thing where even after being called out on it, they still finish writing the text that kids do. So we yeah. can identify with that. And that's very funny. Very it goes fun. on so long. This is my issue with many of the jokes in this. Uh, and I kind of understand why they do it because they got they got to get a 90 minute running time out of this fucking thing. So so every joke has to be a scene. But I call it like I call it the um the practice of the extra Dilbert panel where I mean there's a lot of things wrong with Dilbert, least of all it's creative. Scott Adams. <laughs> yeah. Um I say least of all actually. I I no, most of all, it's creator. Um, but one issue I've had with Dilbert, of those I've read, I had a Dilbert book when I was younger. Um, I, I, I think I may have bought it just out of sheer boredom. Um, I, but the one continuous issue with Dilbert comics is the punchline is like the second panel, and the third punchline has nothing to do or say. And right. rather than just leave it as a two-panel comic, the third panel has to just point out what the joke was or just extend the joke beyond its means uh, and, and, and otherwise just wreck whatever the punchline was by constantly saying, this was the punchline, look at the punchline, we have a punchline, I am the punchline. And that's what this does. Uh, and it also does that... It, Op- like like in the opening scene, it it has a character say seriously, which yeah. I get that that's what people say. Like I often say it as a colloquial thing, but in kids' movies specifically, it's only ever used to say we think you're too stupid to get the great joke we just did, and we are going to point out it was a joke by having this character react to it with that sarcastic, seriously voice that makes you all know that what happened was anomalous and therefore funny. Right. Well, and then this is followed up with a, a joke that, I mean, I don't think, well, certainly a kid wouldn't get. Like, okay, certain kids would get this joke. Uh, let's say, hypothetically, that you, from the age of, say, six or seven, maybe eight years old, uh, played a lot of Maniac Mansion. Mm-hmm. You would get this joke. You would understand the, the, the joke of uh, an obscene phone caller who just heavily breathes into the phone and says nothing. Um, but other than that, like, you have to have basically been born before, I think, 1985 to have a context for this joke. Yeah, yeah, very true. And it's, but it's, it, you know, the the joke is that the Victor character, the big robot guy, played by... Sylvester Stallone. Um, Who does an all right job. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he's got that many lines. Well, but that's, and, and that's, like it's... that's, that's what you want with Sylvester Stallone, too. You don't want to overuse him dialogue wise, setting aside that he can be a little unintelligible in his delivery at, at, at times. Frankly, he has worked that to his advantage significantly because there's nobody who sounds like Sylvester Stallone. Oh, well, you, sorry, you confused me. When you said, frankly, I thought we were going to start talking about his brother. <laughs> no, everybody sounds like Frank Stallone. 
<laughs> no, I, I, yeah, and and to Sylvester Stallone's credit, to a certain degree, as much as Sylvester Stallone can disappear into a role, he disappears into this one. Like I forgot that it was Sylvester Stallone; it was just Victor, and so. Credit where credit's due, he does a fine job. But the the follow-up on this is that Victor comes out and he picks the guy up. And as he picks him up, he says, Mommy, which causes the cell phone in his pocket to call his mother. And and then there's this obscene phone call joke. So the whole thing is dragged out and, and it's yeah. sort of saying, okay, so here, you're going to get, this is your baseline. We are going to attempt to make this all things to all people. Right here. Yeah. Um... And the joke doesn't end, by the way, because once that happens, um, Drek asks everyone if anyone else feels like texting. Yeah. And I must admit, seeing the one in the background raise his hands and another one stop him, yep. that was a cute goof. That but, was clever. Like, there are more truncated and less drawn-out ways to get to the one funny part in that long, extended joke. Was that very, very minor, subtle background action only as effective as it was because of how long it took them to get there? I don't think so. I do not think so. You don't think think it's like the buildup of a pressure valve and releases? No. In fact, I think it may have been even funnier if the retribution for the texting were swifter and more brutal. Yeah. If he'd have been caught texting and instantly sucked out of an airlock and then he said anyone else feel like texting and the other one was about to raise his hand. Well, that's, I mean, that's that how would you, have gotten a laugh out of me. That's how you do that shit in movies, right? You have the, the, the big bad villain and the underling that does do one. He just shoots him. Yeah. He now, I know you can't do that dead. in a kid's movie. Right. But, a, you know, an, a, a, a hole that opens and a guy falls down, it could mean anything. Like, right. that plays in a kid's movie, especially a kid's movie of this caliber of humor. That works. Yeah. Could have done it. Could have done that. Uh, Would have been over, but that's the point. You've got to fill that running time. So I understand why jokes that work really well, and yeah, I'm going to be conceited and say that joke I just did was, sorry, you're talking to the originator of the Ivanka's the mom hashtag. (laughs) So I think I know a little thing or two about comedy. And I'm going to say my my version of that texting joke just then was a lot funnier than the one they used. But they chose uh, a need for content over having a joke. It's all about compromises. Superior. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So as the weapon, this deplanetizer, they're going to call it later, fires and destroys Tenemule, we get a title logo for Ratchet and Clank. Boom. On planet started. Yeah, yeah. And we're only like, you know, we're 40 minutes in. So good. I thought this would be a really quick one. <laughs> uh, on planet Veldon, the young Lombax, Ratchet, is watching a robot exercise program. And during the commercial break, there's an ad for the news. Why is there an ad for the news? Uh, which mentions the destruction of Tenemule and notes that it's the fourth such planet to be destroyed that the government is responding by increasing the ranks of the Galactic Rangers by 25%, which is to say they're adding a person? I think mm. I've seen ads for the news in Britain, you know. Well, no, no, they have ads for the news here, too, but it's usually, like, uh, more at 11. You know, like, here's one quick headline. They don't go, like, f- four minutes. Yeah, yeah, they do the, the yeah. whole... 
Yeah, yeah, when they've got scheduled new shows. Yeah, Planet Tenemule Destroyed. Fourth the fourth planet disappears amid great confusion. Yeah. More at 11. Yeah, it's like that's... No, but they did do a full-on... They do, yeah, they do. It transitions into a full, like, recruitment video. Like a recruitment ad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it um, is weird now. But then they are aliens. That's true. So maybe so their culture is just It could different. just, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I shouldn't I mean, they, presume. That's really, they, they really xenophobic. They text their mothers... They, they, every, all of their jokes are relatable to humans, but culturally they might be incredibly different to the point where we can't understand a thing. Oh and my it's God. all coincidental. Maybe all of the jokes that we get in the film that relate to us are actually like they don't relate to us in some weird, horrifically alien way. What if we're wrong? What if we're looking at this entirely wrong? What if this is the funniest movie ever made? And it's just and because we're not aliens. It's only funny to aliens. Right. Oh my god, what if this is a movie made for aliens? <laughs> maybe maybe in their culture they think quietly replacing an actor with someone more famous and then mailing that person's paycheck <laughs> to the replaced actor is actually a sign of goodwill. It's, it's just respect. Oh it's like, god. You're, you're so good at this, we wanted you to know. <laughs> I think we've rumbled onto the big conspiracy here. Uh, so this, uh, ad for this recruitment ad, it combines the spirit of, uh, we want you and the cynicism of a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on ice tour. Uh, <laughs> I love, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles out of their shell, by the way. Check it out on YouTube, folks. The, so good. The, the premise is that Shredder hates music and he'll tell you about how much he hates music in song. <laughs> the irony flawed premise of that entire um, stage show, rather. Not a film. They didn't make out of their shell into a movie, unfortunately. Yeah, that... that Something for Michael Bay to work on. That needs to happen. I uh, hate music. I think it sucks. That's the lyrics. Ratchet lives above a spaceship repair shop, and an elderly customer has arrived to pick up their vehicle. So Ratchet shows off the upgrades he's made to the customer's ship, including a giant magnet that can pull metal objects from a great distance. Yep. It is super impractical. That's why it's funny. But I wonder yeah. if it's significant later. I wonder. Maybe it will be. Maybe it won't be. That's In the course the of, of showing this feature there's a malfunction and the ship's engines start with the customer and ratchet flying through a cannon a can cannon flying through a canyon with bits of scrap metal chasing them and all the old man's all terrified not knowing how to drive the vehicle and ratchet's you know yeah. semi-competent trying to save the day and goes flying into you know like they get into a 69 uh midway through it's kind of hot uh, and oh yeah, yeah! I, I came three times. Eventually, uh, Ratchet. The joke and... was that long that I could come three times, and it is long. Full it refactory feels... period. God, it, is. it does drag, doesn't it? Like again, just like the texting goof, there is one bit of the overall scene that is uh, a, a decent, um, at least made me smirk a tiny bit, and that's the bit where the car goes flying out the garage, and then they're pursued by just an like a bunch of sharp jagged uh, scrap metal and then the one little squeaky bike part. Yep. Uh, but then they do that exact joke twice <laughs> with the squeaky bike. Uh, and, and they, well, they do they call it. that callback. Yeah. Like, remember how much you enjoyed it the first time? It's like callbacks it work. Callbacks work when you, you're not just like repeating the joke. 
completely. Mm. After several minutes of really extrapolating on the central joke that the one callback bit was only a small part of. <laughs> uh, so the uh, Ratchet Man... It's like, I do realise, listener, and I'm sorry for interrupting you again. That's okay. Before, before we, we even anywhere near 10 minutes in uh, to the film, I should say. Um, but I've forgotten the point I was going to make because I was so, too bogged down in the minutiae of qualification. Oh, that's it. That's it. Right, listener. I get the. I get that in comedy films they have comedy scenes, yeah. and not everything has to be like, like actually like, funny. Yeah, and I get the the you know a funny scene isn't a joke and doesn't have to be therefore short. You know, comedy scenes no, can be lengthy. And, and in fact, but... there's a lot of circumstances where you know drawing that out, dragging it out over a long enough period of time, only. It, it it um what's the word I'm looking? It amplifies the comedy. Yeah, it, you know. I tell it, you, the, I tell you what I think the problem with this film is. It's not that they've got it the wrong way round. A good comedy film, you'll have a a comedy, you'll have a scene with jokes in it, and here it's one joke that they've tried to turn into a scene. I do think yes, I do think that they've kind of gotten it backwards. And you know what? That's and and it's kind of boy, that's kind of ballsy of us to say that, isn't it? Because that is it's, kind of what we do a lot of the time. I'm, if I'm being perfectly honest with you, <laughs> it's it's maybe the most gallingly insulting piece of hypocrisy since Wes Craven walked out of Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, Ratchet does manage to disable the magnet, hits the brakes just in time as the bits of metal that are chasing them careen past them into a wall that they would have otherwise hit. And, and the, the squeaky customer. bike part again. Yeah. And yep. then the customer is, uh, is less than pleased uh, by this experience. Go back to Chairman Drek. He's showing Victor the next planet he intends to destroy. And Victor warns that this planet is you know, populated and well protected by the Galactic Rangers. But Drek has a plan that uh, he's going to strike first. And this pleases and concerns Victor, who points out they have no soldiers with which to fight. But Drek's got it covered. Says the Galactic Rangers are going to be destroyed in two days' time. So... Cool. This is actually a pretty good scene because it gives it's one of the few areas where Victor gets to have straight up dialogue. And it's not it's not overwhelming. He's a rational guy, which I kind of like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he he's it's like he's 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 one of those noble demon type archetypes. Yeah. Uh, he's like not dumb muscle, but he, you know, is built to fight. He's, and so he, that is what he wants to do. He's excited about the prospect of fighting, but is has that awareness that the odds would be so stacked against them. Yeah, yeah. Victor, not a bad character, really. Not bad. Um, back on Velden, Ratchet is scolded by Grimroth, the uh, owner of the repair shop, for always having his head in the clouds. And suggests mm-hmm. that he should dream smaller so he's not disappointed. Now... This John is a, Goodman, by the way. John Goodman, and delightful in this. Uh, really, th- oh yeah, yeah, he's. Uh, it's a good character for everyone. Is cast well in characters that fit them, except Paul Giamatti. Well, again, cast well. <laughs> no, he is. I'm just uh, just like insulting. Said, the the fact just yep. has filled me with spite for his performance. Uh, so 
but this 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 is significant to me because it's so rare in these kids' movies. Because all of these kids' movies have some moral or object lesson in them that you you know the viewer is supposed to take away from it. Delivered straight out directly, like no uh, subterfuge with that. It's like, hey, here's what you're supposed to take away from this, kids. But normally we get that in the third act. Right? Yeah, it's normally the point of the film. Like, we like, get the indication. Like what it's been building to. Yeah, we get the indication of what the problem is that the character has, you know, that they're impulsive or that they're, yeah. you know, whatever it is. I mean, you look at that classic example, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, mm-hmm. with Jax's reliance on his metal arms. Right. You know, it, that's presented to us as an issue at character, to, like, character introduction. We realize he's overcompensating, but it's not until the last fight that he learns that he was those metal arms in his heart of hearts. Right. And this is this. So that's that's normally what you'd expect to happen. But here in Ratchet and Clank, we get the object lesson. That that, that little bit of, uh, of of what you should be taken away in the first act in this scene. Where I mean, that's the moral of this movie is have lower expectations. Yeah, yeah. And and, and it's right I mean, there. maybe that's the reason they got it out that soon, was because it was also something for the audience to really be cogent of while they were watching <laughs> the film. Just, was just, just keep, like, yeah. look, don't, don't have your hopes too high for this one. Don't expect a lot, okay? Look, we're just going to try and do our best. Uh, Ratchet manages, though, to convince the father figure that he's got here to give him an hour away from work to attend to attend the Galactic Rangers tryouts, promising that he'll return to help scrub some important thing that has to be done seasonally for the people on this planet. At the recruitment event, we meet two other Galactic Rangers, Cora Verilux and... And I'm guessing, just based on the introduction, that he's a former professional wrestler, Brax Lectris. Um, I don't know who plays these roles. That's uh, one of them is uh, Bella Thorne. The, uh, the other is one Bella is Thorne. Rosaria Dawson. No, that's the other female one that's not there. Like, we don't meet yeah. until later. Oh, I thought you were just going through the Galactic Rangers performers. Yeah, no, I am, the, but but I don't know who plays Brax. Uh, Vincent Tong, yeah. and I don't know who that is. I don't know who Vincent Tong is. I've never heard of them. That's actually, because no, I remember seeing it in the credits now. I saw it at the end credits. It said Vincent Tong among all the names I knew, and I was like, nope, I don't know. Yeah, he's in Death Note, apparently. He does he does a bunch of anime voice roles. and oh, okay. Uh, and a bunch of American stuff, too. But it's it's all, like, you know, small stuff for the most part. A lot of My Little Pony. Hmm. Interesting. But anyway, uh, th- we meet them. And I, and I mentioned the, the former professional wrestler thing because it, it, it'll come up later. I'll bring it up again. Uh, and then we meet the bumbling uh, Captain Quark. He's there also to provide an impassioned speech about how the only important thing is heart. Uh, and of course, that's the not the only important thing to being a Galactic Ranger because Ratchet is rejected on the basis of being both small and a criminal. And they like, read through his... like arrest history and these are like high fucking crimes if i were living in a futuristic sci-fi universe and you fucked with the space-time continuum like why is he free who lets him run around 
He interfered in the space-time continuum, and he's still out there. Failure well, I mean, of justice. I swear to God. You look at the whole system, and again, it comes back to uh, uh, a cultural difference. I guess, I guess it has to be. It you know? just doesn't carry that higher price. It's, it's a slap-on-the-wrist situation. It's so weird. I mean, I would think, you know, you step on a butterfly in the Mesozoic era... And you come back and you discover that the, the, the world is ruled by primates, you'd get in trouble for that. You'd think. No, no. <sighs> well, anyway. Um, after an annoyed, uh, an annoyed quark laments being stuck in. <sighs> this is my least favorite joke in this fucking film. Blue neck towns. Mm-hmm. Cause you see, you see what he's doing there. I uh, let me see if I can pick up what was just put down. Now, in America, there is the stereotype of people from small towns, um, rural like, areas, perhaps rural areas, places that that you know people might look down on. Um, there is a stereotype uh, of them being populated by rednecks. That, yes, that's correct. Yes, yes, yes. Now, if you were to set your universe in an alien context on a different planet, the joke would be to change the color because that would highlight that they're aliens while giving us a familiar joke that's then subverted with the unfamiliar. Yeah, okay, am good. I reading the, am I reading the gag correctly? You are reading the gag correctly. I wish they'd Thank chosen fuck. any fucking other color. Any other color. <laughs> like, would they just go with the opposite r- blue? It's the laziest <laughs> fucking shit. <laughs> it's true. Could have been anything. Could have been any color. I can't stand being in these fuchsia neck towns. I can't stand being in these aquamarine towns. I can't stand being in these green neck towns. I mean, for God's sake. But no, they choose the polar opposite, the easy one, and then on top of that, now you've got this red versus blue, like, ugh, I hate it. It's a terrible, yeah. terrible, terrible, lazy fucking joke. Elsewhere, and given this film's NRA leanings, ugh, we really don't need that red-blue We do not. partisan let's, divide going on Let's right not now. politicize on. this, right? Like, like well, we, Let's keep politics out of the film, games, this podcast... I don't, I cannot, I don't want any politics in my entertainment. It doesn't belong there, damn it. Don't make me think about politics. Politics belong on Fox News, and that's it. Politics belongs when I agree with it. Damn it. Oh, wait, no, was that too self-aware? That was probably too self-aware. Hashtag, is that too self-aware? Elsewhere. Chairman Drek and Victor meet with Dr. Nefarious, who has been building warbots out of raritanium to kill the Galactic Rangers. A uh, power outage occurs, has to be repaired. I love how raritanium still sounds better than fucking Avatar's unobtainium. Yeah. Well, it still sounds better. Well, unobtainium sounds really fucking stupid. <laughs> Why would you call it unobtainium? Like, if you have some. It's not unobtainable. You have it. <laughs> Fucking assholes. 
Unbelievable. A power outage occurs, occurs and has to be repaired by a repair bot who is like, this is the, like the, the only time you see him, but he's super important at the end, I guess. Like, I don't know. I, I, why do I care about repair bot? As the system comes back <laughs> online, the factory produces a tiny and harmless warbot. Recognized as a defect, the little bot flees and steals a spaceship while being pursued by Victor, who damages the ship as the robot escapes. Now, the little robot, we're shown, like, as he's coming online, he gets all of the information about the Galactic Rangers that all the other warbots got. So he knows the plan. And that's what you're supposed to take away from that. Uh, At Grimroth's shop, Ratchet, deflated, returns from the recruitment event. And that night, while looking at the stars, Ratchet sees a ship crash land. Uh, as, as happens in lots of these sorts of scenarios. It's a very stereotypical, you know, like, young youth figure staring up at the sky, thing crashes, goes off oh, to check they, it out. They weren't working too hard on the plot on this. No, one, no, but, but I mean, it's, it, well, it's, it's an easy touch, but it's not an inappropriate one. It works here. It's, I gotta say, visually, like, we haven't touched on this at all yet. But visually, mm. the, the movie looks great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those jokes that, that do land. Um, you know, I, I, I can't say I laughed at all during the film, but there were some jokes that do land. Yeah. And a big part of it is the animation. Yep. Like, the actual, quote-unquote, physicality of the comedy um, yep. is, is animated well enough to where the jokes could have, you know, not landed at all had they not been so expertly yeah. Rendered, you know, brought to actual life. Yeah, so credit where credit's due, uh, this is visually pretty impressive. Um, I can't, you know, I don't, I don't typically go in for the all CGI stuff. So, you know, they, they, they did a fine, fine job here. And, 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 and if every computer-generated animated film looked like this, I'd, I'd be a happy camper. I really would. Um... So, anyway, Ratchet sees this ship crash land. Finding it on fire, he extracts the pilot, who is, of course, the little war bot, before the ship explodes. And, and the, uh, there's, there's the, um, what is, the, the, the ship talks. And the, the ship is talking about how, oh, I told you, told you it was going to explode, and, you know, oh, you're doomed. And Ratchet talks to the ship and says, do you have to say it like that? And then they do the funny, oh, I'm going to say it in a different voice, but it's the same thing joke. Um, yeah, yeah. Which, uh, I guess that would work for a kid who hasn't yeah. heard it like a million fucking times by this point. Yeah, I mean, you know, in, in a child's mind, all things are still fresh. So for them, that may be the... That that joke there, that scene, may be the start of that joke getting old for them. Mm-hmm. That may be the very first time, their their first step on the path to being sick of it. <laughs> uh, Ratchet introduces himself to the robot, which he decides he'll call Clank, and offers to repair him. And while he's being fixed, Clank explains the reasons for his presence, that he's headed to warn the rangers of the impending warbot assault. Oh my god, girl, you're making me so hard with these facts. Ooh, give me your fact, Jim. Yeah, give right, it to me deep. A, this is one. This is a, 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 a long, hard cock of a fact. Um, when Ratchet and Clank meet, Clank scans Ratchet to find out what species he is. Oh, did he do that? I must have not noticed. Because then, yes, I know where you're going with this. 
Yep, his species database uh, shows Jack from Jack and Daxter, Sly Cooper from Sly Cooper, and Insomniac former developer Dan Johnson. I did not know where you were going with that. Oh, there we are. That's interesting. Does Okay, so maybe you could tell me this. Does it identify... Does does it identify what species um, um, Ratchet is? Not sure. Was too busy writing down the facts. Because because here's here, the reason I bring it up is because later Clank asks about his race, so or his species. Yeah, I think it it, it probably it must have it must be absent. I I I, re, I rewrote the fact in my own words, but I I do think in the fact it mentioned him being a lombax. So it's just in on the one hand. There's enough attention to detail performed in this film that I would expect that detail to be uh, uh, caught, you know, that they wouldn't identify his species so as to set up the later conversation that we're really not going to go into later because it's boring. But um, I could see – but at the same time, I can also see the, the, the writing is so lazy. They can also see them just not noticing or thinking about it. It could go either way. And so now I'll have to go rewatch that little... Ugh. All right. Thanks for that. Uh, so Ratchet misleads Clank into believing that he knows the Galactic Rangers and can help Clank with his quest to warn them. Uh, the Warbot attack commences um, outside the Galactic Rangers headquarters in Illyro. There is a cute physical comedy joke where some super fan of the Galactic Rangers comes and attaches himself to Quark's leg and he's, you know, get him off me, get him off me and shaking it. Not physical comedy, but that works. That's, that's one of the examples of what you're talking about that, that played for me. Yeah, um, yeah. Just something, you know, just, just a joke. Yeah. Just let a joke be a joke. Yep. Uh, on the way to Illyro, Ratchet's character exposition is delivered about how he was found on the planet as a baby Velden, the planet Velden, I should be noted, uh, and, and adopted by Grimroth and blah, blah, blah. Like I said, it was boring. Meanwhile, the Galactic yeah. Rangers are kind of getting their asses kicked. Um, and there's a Wilhelm scream joke that's completely unnecessary. Yeah. Not funny. It's not but a at fu- least... It's not uh, a uh, funny joke. It's just a, hey, did you get that reference? It's yeah. something that's going to fly over the head of every kid and 95% of the people watching the movie. At least they didn't spend five minutes then talking about the screen. Like explaining the Wilhelm, the Wilhelm screen? Yeah. 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 Which, which this movie could have gone for. Small mercies. I would have believed it in this. Yeah. Or even if it was just something like, oh no, they got Wilhelm or something, you know, just some sort of fucking, like, we couldn't just let it be. At least they didn't do that. Ratchet and Clank arrive and attempt to attack the uh, bad guy's ship, but hilariously destroy a statue of Captain Quark instead. Oh, how funny. Uh, as they fucking nubs. As they continue to fly out of control, in part due to Clank's poor piloting skills, this is a oh, running... Frick thing that Clank can't... He's goddamn awful. Well, he's designed as a war bot. He's, he's made for killing, not piloting. What a shithead. Uh, it comes out during this that Ratchet was perhaps dishonest about his relationship with the Galactic Rangers. Fucking swear. 
As the writers try to will I can fix this into a catchphrase for Ratchet, Clank reconfigures the giant magnet to specifically attract raritanium, the alloy the robots are made of, remember. And he activates it. And as before in the scene with the junk, the robots are pulled in the wake of the ship. Recalling how that scene ended, the magnet is switched off as they fly towards the enemy assault ship, weaponizing the warbots and thus destroying the enemy. Uh, Ratchet's hailed as a hero, and Quark tries to take the limelight. But this backfires as he's asked if Ratchet and Clank will be joining the Galactic Rangers, and he can come up with no good reason why not. Um, as I understand it, like this differs from this this part differs from the game pretty significantly, like in terms of of you know what I can't remember even I remember there being a lengthy training sequence that was not all that great um, because it was it felt like a tutorial after the tutorial section had long been had gone its chance yeah. to be here. Um, I, like but he rescued Ratchet they... and Clank rescue some characters or something in the game, and that's what gets them know. into the Galactic Rangers. Um, anyway, a disappointed Chairman Drek berates Doctor Nefarious and Victor for their failure to destroy the Galactic Rangers. Doctor Nefarious suggests that they may have more success by turning Quark against the rest of the Rangers because he's a simpleton. It's not a bad plan, actually. That's that's a pretty good no, plan. No, I mean. Quark is, is that. Yeah. They read him right. Yep. At Galactic Ranger uh, headquarters, Ratchet and Clank get their training. Clank is sent to work in Intel, where we meet Alaris, the fourth ranger who provides operational support. <laughs> Played by Rosario Dawson, who I love. I adore Rosario I Dawson do. and everything yep. she does. Yep. Um, Ratchet. I apologize, by the way, for giggling at the in the background constantly at my own shit because I was not just verbally but also mentally berating every character you were mentioning for no good reason. Yeah. And, and it struck me as incredibly funny. Ratchet gets Just some... pointing out the joke there that I was doing for the listeners. Right. Hashtag whatever. <laughs> Hashtag good jokes. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag good jokes, great friends. Ratchet gets fancy armor that allows him to select weapons by thought from a uh, portable armory thing. And we are shown many of the fun games you'll shoot in the hit 2016 remake of Ratchet & Clank, now available for PlayStation 4 consoles. Oh, girl, baby, I got a fact for you. Oh, give me that fact. The new Ratchet & Clank game for the PlayStation 4 will be based on this film, while this film is based on the original Ratchet & Clank. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, it comes up later in the film, that fact. But since you mentioned that it's it was, based yeah. on that game, uh, I thought I'd mention it now. The the the, the fact I, I was just highly amused that the fact is uh, was clearly written before the game had came out and has not been updated because why would it be? Uh, this, this is interesting though that like there was crossover development between these like animations. Created by Insomniac were worked on by the Hong Kong animation studio that was doing the film and vice versa. So they incorporated a lot of their own, each other's work. Yeah. Well, I think that's part of the reason why the the game at least was successful. It was because 
it didn't feel like a quick cynical cash in. Like Insomniac was involved with the whole deal. Well, it, not I just mean, their one part of it. Yeah, I, I don't know if we mentioned this earlier. The game was delayed so that it could tie in with the film's release. The game was done in 2015, or close to done, and so they decided, oh, we'll just polish it a little longer and put it out around the same time as the movie so that we can... Because they realized, I think, the movie sucks. <laughs> and they, they needed to give a little boost to the movie, which is not usually how that goes. Normally, it goes yeah. the other way. Uh, but at least they made a quality product. Uh, Alaris and Clank get to know one another. And Alar- How are we stretching this film out so long? Nothing happens in this right? film. Right? I don't know. Alaris <laughs> um, provides exposition on Dr. Nefarious, who had previously performed her role within the uh, Rangers before going insane. And they do the whole, like, she's a little bit manic and could possibly go insane implication. Um, well, what I did, and what I did genuinely appreciate about this was... They basically telegraphed Nefarious's ultimate, if petty, motivation in this scene. Yeah. Because the moment you realise Nefarious had her job, and the way she's treated by Quark, and ignored by everyone, and just the shit around her while she's working getting destroyed, and then Clank saying, do they always treat you like this? And her saying no, and then sinking and saying yes. Like... You see Nefarious's entire character development in her. You could see which I Nefarious. Was genuinely well done. You could see Nefarious in that scene, frankly. Like, if you just yeah, visually yeah. replace Dr. Nefarious in, in place of Alaris, I can see him doing exactly the same motions. It's right and, there. And, and genuinely, like, there's. I don't think this film seizes on it, but there is genuine potential in making you sympathetic for one character. Yeah. While, you know, they are going through the exact same things that created a, a, you know, potentially unsympathetic villain. Yep. yep. God, I wish that had been the actual, like, a, a stronger real theme in the film. I, I wish they'd done a better job of, of I mean, they, they do repeatedly treat this character like crap. And then later by extension, and to a certain extent, Clank as well, because, you know, that's... It's the same deal. They're just shoving yeah. him off. Um, Alaris figures out that uh, each of the destroyed planets has had a has a major landmark unaccounted for in the mass of fragments found after the explosions. It's just strange. Seems significant. But they are interrupted by Quark and Ratchet playing around with jetpacks, completely disregarding Alaris and Clank, and causing damage to their offices by setting off the sprinkler system. Keep that in mind. Just remember the sprinkler system. I'm going to bring that up again. As Ratchet and Clank stroll through Aliro, and Ratchet sees a billboard with his face on it, Clank points out that his collected wisdom suggests that fame is ultimately unsatisfying because foreshadowing cannot be subtle. Ratchet is predictably too caught up in his own celebrity to think of it as he signs photos, and then Quark suddenly steps in and pulls Ratchet away from an adoring public, jealous of the attention that he's getting. So Quark lays out the plan to assault Drek Industries, which is essentially go hit things. And it seems like this is pretty much all of the plans that the Galactic Rangers come up with. Um, Alanya and Clank protest that it's poorly considered, but they're overruled. And as the attack commences, 
Clank is strapped to Ratchet's back so he can provide information because he's been here before. He also functions as a jetpack, but he can't fly without the battery from... I guess they wanted a reason why he couldn't fly away later that they had to bring that up. Like, they make a big point to say, hey, don't get separated because you can't fly. Yeah. And then it never yeah. comes up. Like, like Lord of the Rings didn't even bother explaining why they didn't just ride eagles to... Right. ...in Mordor. They just brought up the eagles later. There's no need to tell you in the film why that happened. No, everyone was too busy freaking out about giant eagles. <laughs> That's how that play worked out. I I, I have to believe you because I've never seen it. Yeah, yeah, just giant eagles at the oh, end, okay. and and you're always too busy freaking out about the giant, like the size of the eagles, to worry about the fact that Gandalf just like arrives with giant eagles. <laughs> well, if if they'd have done that at the beginning, <laughs> and just just plumped plumped the ring into the little volcano, right, right, from a great height. You know, like, fly out of range of, of any archers that they might have. Could have avoided a whole lot of hassle. Yeah, but you got to pad that running And I'm running sure time. there is a reason. I'm sure there is a law-given reason. It don't come up in the movies. And I started reading the books, but I'm an ignorant man. I read the books, so and I don't remember enough to say that it justifies that. I'm sure. I, I, if If not, the point is... Everyone's too busy freaking out about the size of these eagles to give a shit about plot holes. Right. And that's what this movie needed. More plot holes? Well, a giant fuck-off eagle so that we wouldn't question anything it does. Right. Like, can you imagine re-watching this film, but constantly, sometimes in the background, but sometimes really up close to the camera, obscuring everything and getting in the way. There is a constant flying squawking eagle. <laughs> now I want to watch the movie again. Just constant. Just anybody else feel like... To... So the, uh, the rangers sneak into the Warbot factory, which seems deserted. From his office, Drek orders the execution of phase one of their dastardly plan, splitting up the team by releasing a horde of Mr. Zircon robots to attack them. So, good, now, we got Mr. Zircon imagine, in there. I And that's good for the fans, but if you'd replace the Mr. Zircons with little eagles... Oh, so much better. So much like better. People, people were already losing their shit over how big those eagles were in Lord of the Rings, Okay. Imagine what would happen to their tiny, stupid, pointless fucking brains if we took the concept of the giant eagle and reversed it. Mm. Many, many, many small eagles. Yeah, you've had your iPad. Here's the iPad mini. Fuck you. (laughs) All of that, but in eagle terms. So Quark is led into Drek's office. Where, after being disarmed by Victor, Drek points out how poorly treated by the public Quark has been with the arrival of Ratchet. See, now this is what I love. This, there is something actually fucking brilliant about Nefarious's plan. Because he pulls the same shit on Quark that is the inspiration for Nefarious becoming a villain. 
He's like, you're not respected. You're not appreciated. Your, your talents are being ignored. Come over to the dark side. Yeah, like, honestly, everything involving Nefarious is... It's, it's not like a, a Raul Julia situation. No. Or, a, a, you know, 50% of the characters in the Mortal Kombat Annihilation situation. He is not making this film great. But everything great on, about this film relates to him, I think. Yeah, and anything, any of the genuine quality writing is in that character. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. Uh, so Drek offers to fix this public image problem that Quark has by promising to execute a PR campaign that justifies Quark having betrayed the Galactic Rangers as being necessary to save the Federation or whatever. Uh, And Drek further promises to evacuate the planet before it's destroyed. Meanwhile, Ratchet, Clank, and Korra find the evidence that Drek has been destroying the planet and further that he's been using pieces of them to construct a perfect world. Now, Victor and Drek flee from Drek Industries and escape ships, leaving Drek's robot assistant Zed to be captured by the Galactic Rangers who immediately cracks under interrogation and tells them that Drek's about to destroy the populated planet of Novalis. Later... Well, he cracks and tells them everything. Oh, right, yes, I'm sorry. I neglected to bring up the joke you've seen a thousand fucking times before where under interrogation a character gives their entire life history. For these kids, again, that may be their first step towards being in their 30s and just shitting all over the films their kids are watching. Everybody's got to start being cynical somewhere, I guess. That's it. You give these little 10-year-olds another 20 years, and they'll be doing their own, like, I don't know what, it'll, it won't be podcasts, it'll be, like, little tiny clouds that you put in your ears or whatever they have in the future, like a sound gas, and your, your kids will be doing a sound gas, and... Just shitting all over whatever it is that's popular at that time. That's still doing I'll Tell You Everything jokes. And uh, what was the other one? The... the oh, whatever. The long list of crimes joke. The I mean, and any number of these is, is overdone and run into the ground. And, yeah. you know, it's not like they're even poorly executed. They're fine. They're just, it's nothing, it's nothing special. But you know what? Those are the jokes that clearly aren't for us because they're for the, the, the kids who have never heard them before. But I'll tell you what, you, you listeners out there, you know, in your 30s who have kids that, you know, are around the right age for this, looking forward to 20 years from now. Boy, you can just, just be able to look at that, just smile wistfully to yourself and, and realize that, you know, even though the world is constantly changing and there's a, a constant just flow of, of new ideas, concepts. And, you know, for God's sake, we're, we're getting our podcasts as tiny clouds that sort of directly into our brains now. I mean, look at how much, but mm-hmm. some things, some things are eternal. Some things like cynically bitching about jokes that have been done a billion times before. That's heartening. That, hey, it's good internet. That makes me feel good. Um, if nothing else. 
Victor, oh, sorry, we went over to them fleeing and Zed gets captured. That's where we were. Uh, later in the break, Zed tries to get Quark to talk to him further, recalling that time that Quark signed a contract with Drek and therefore confirming that he actually went through with it because we don't actually see him going through with it. And we got to make sure that it's totally clear to this audience that they know he has agreed to betray them. I'll forgive them that. I'll forgive them that just to no, no, it's it's and it's to get the plot to the kids. And more importantly, I the eyes on animation joke cracks me up. Yes, I I will say actually that whole bit of him like pointlessly with his back up against the glass of of Victor's not not Victor. I've done the same Zed. thing as you, Zed. Um, his back up against the glass of Zed's cell as if he's stealthing it in plain view. And then doing the coming back and doing the eyes on thing as he's just telling Zed to shush. Um, that whole scene, I think, was was well done. Yeah. But then, you know, Quark is... Uh, he's good for Zap Brannigan. Yes. Easy laughs. Yes. Um, and they are easy laughs you get out of Quark, but but they're still... You can still get laughs out of it. Well, it, it. And that was a good scene. He's, uh, as the Zap Brannigan sort of archetype goes, Quark's a pretty good example. Like he's he's solid and he's generally oh yeah yeah generally pretty well written for you know a buffoon. Um, let's see here. So uh, oh yeah, so Quark's trying to keep that uh, secret that he signed that contract, but but we know, don't we, viewers? Uh, Doctor Nefarious. <laughs> Sorry, I was just immensely tickled by your delivery. <laughs> Like Nefarious records an audio journal on the Deplanetizer, and we learn that he has a secret motivation that he's kept from Drek, which is to destroy the entire solar system and not just a few planets. Now, set aside that, don't you think that if you'd, like, removed an entire planet from a solar system, it would uh, change the gravitational pull of other things and like fuck up all the other planets in that system anyway wouldn't don't you think that would happen i would think that would happen i would imagine i mean given what little i know about that astrophysics that whole, yeah yeah that whole, like i i can't even say the word astrophysics but what little i recall there is an equilibrium in place with regards to gravity and motion so you know the slightest change to that could have devastating consequences of an entire system but whatever. Uh, <laughs> Quark disables the weapon systems. On- Again, if they'd have just had a big fucking bird. Yep, that's all it needed. Just a big bird to distract. Uh, bird planet. That's Sesame Street got away with its bullshit for years. <laughs> Snuffleupagus is not real. No. It's They're not- trying to crack on that he is. Yeah. And I'd, I'd be furious about it if they didn't have a giant fucking eagle. Quark disables the weapon systems on the Galactic Ranger's fleet as they travel to... That's what we were talking about. We were talking about the eagle character right. from, from the Muppets, not not Big Bird. That was the subversion of oh. the joke. <laughs> yes. Hashtag that eagle from the Muppets. Um, true, true to Drek's word, Novalis is actually being evacuated. And like, credit to that. Like, Drek might be an evil fuck. Yeah. But he holds up his end of a bargain. Well, it puts him, uh, it, it puts him morally uh, a, a step above Nefarious. Yeah, as well. It helps. It helps distinguish Nefarious as the real antagonist. And Donald Trump. Yeah. 
I don't know. I, I guess I can't do an episode without. No. <laughs> I mean, I was waiting for an opportunity to bring up that later on in the games, um, the buffoonish, uh, self-aggrandizing Captain Quark becomes space president. But but that just saying his name works as well. <laughs> <clears throat> so uh carry on yeah 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 so quark suggests that the plan will be to talk to drek oh i'm gonna fuck you with a fact in your pussy that's hot that's my that's my nicole richie impression by the way i'm good at kids I'm ask good your at parents talk. yeah ask your parents <laughs> right got a got a fact for you mm-hmm Originally, there was going to be a live-action movie in 2006. Thank God. They were going to do this live-action style. Edgar Wright turned down directorial duties As to well do he Hot should Fuzz. have. Yeah, I think he made a much better call with Hot Fuzz, if you uh, ask me. Uh, uh, Del Toro was going to do it at one point. Uh, and they don't give me much information here. I'll, I'd, I'd have to do further research. But he left over disagreements about the movie's tone. <laughs> which, given his body of work, I think Guillermo may not have been the right guy for the job at all. Yeah. Wh- <laughs> and again, what is it with him and Video Game Project? He's, I think he's just obsessed with video games. Poor guy. Like, he can't catch a break. No. Well, no, I he did catch. To... He caught a break because he didn't do the Ratchet and Clank movie. Oh, that's a, yeah. I mean, I guess he dodged a bullet. Uh, so yeah, he didn't like the tone. Um, <laughs> I I like to think it was entirely over the texting joke. <laughs> uh, plus, plus, I bet he didn't want to work with Giamatti. Um, <laughs> I'm just in- inferring that from the earlier story. Uh, other directors pegged, and this is amazing. They went through the the amount they were considering. John Favreau, James Gunn, Brett Ratner, Joss Whedon, and Michael Bay, a.k.a. every white guy director in Hollywood. James Gunn could have done this. James Gunn could have done this. Yeah. I would, I would have, I would probably, I would, I think it's fair to say I probably would have enjoyed this movie more had it been directed by James Gunn. And I, you know, I, I don't think that, like, he's, he's not... One of those guys that I think is like, oh, he can do no wrong. He's done a lot of wrong in his career oh, yeah, professionally. Yeah. But this is a film he could have really, I think, yeah, led it's, something to. It's, a, it, it's something that, that's in his, within his wheelhouse. Yeah. He could have done this. Um, but yeah, they basically went through just, just all, of, all of the guys. Well, you know, they you know who they Rolodex. landed on, right? Um, I always forget his name. Kevin Monroe. That's it. Kevin Monroe. That's who they landed on. Um, but either way, do you know? The, do you know? Do you know, action... do you know? Do you know? Do you know what he's known for? What's he known for? He di- he was the writer and the director of the 2002 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, or 2007. Good. Sorry, 2007, the bad Good. one, the very him. bad one. Also, he got his de- directorial debut, and I don't know if you you'll remember this. But his directorial debut came with a video game, Freaky Flyers. Well, there you go. Did you ever play Freaky Flyers? Uh, I've not. The name seems familiar. It was so a, I want to say, I don't think I have PS2 standard Xbox generation, uh, original Xbox generation title. You know, it was like a, a flying race game. Okay. And actually, it wouldn't have interested me at the time. It was a budget title. 
Definitely. Like, it was one of those, uh, yeah, it was definitely a budget tell, but surprisingly fun. Like, despite it being one of those asshole games that rubber bands really badly in terms of racing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Isn't that the game that was the inspiration for X Gone Give It To You? I don't know. I don't know what X Gonna Give It To You is. Okay, don't worry. Okay, I'll just, we'll just leave it there then. Mm. Uh, so kids ask your parents. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, <laughs> so Alanya has a, another plan besides, you know, like just going and talking to Drek, trying to talk him out of this thing. Uh, it's never revealed because Cork mutes her partway through explaining, and as he moves in towards the Deplanetizer without warning the Patriot. others in the fleet. He's contacted by Drek to confirm that the weapons of the fleet are disabled, and, once off the line, Drek orders the Blarg to attack. So, you see, now he's not holding up his end of the bargain. That's not cool. There was uh, a deal a here. Wanker. Uh, How are we going to get out of this? Vincent scans the Ranger Command ship and discovers that Clank is on board and decides he's going to go deal with this defect that got away because, you know, he's a a very dedicated guy. He, he sets his mind to a job and he wants to see it through. Uh, Ratchet breaks off from the rest of the Rangers who are in retreat from the uh, attack by the Blarg. Uh, unwilling to abandon Quark, uh, who is in the kind of danger you only find when getting a massage and eating bonbons. Uh, as Ratchet's clanks... Uh, as, as Ratchet clanks? What? As Ratchet's ship is blowing up, he ejects and floats his way to the Deplanetizer. Meanwhile, Victor gets aboard the Ranger Command ship, trapping Alanya and Clank. She relays some of this information to Ratchet, who's trying to deactivate the Deplanetizer, but then he only succeeds in turning it on, because, hey, you know, gotta have a first time for that bit, too. And then he's captured by Drek. Uh, Alanya does a sneak attack on Vincent, gets thrown into some pipes which spill water, and that seems to frighten Victor, inspiring Clank with a means of defeating him. Now, mm-hmm. think about this movie for a moment, would you? I'm gonna I'm gonna draw your attention to an earlier scene. I mean, I'd rather not. I want to draw your attention to an earlier scene in which um, Alanya and Clank are in their uh, little workspace, and. Quark and Ratchet come in, and they're playing around with jetpacks, and they're all having fun and totally ignoring Clank and Alanya and whatever important shit they had to say. And then they set off the sprinkler system on the ship. And it's like, oh, ha-ha, we set off the sprinkler system. Yeah. That should have been a setup. In a competently written movie, this would have been a setup. But it has two things working against it. One, this is not a competently made, written movie. And two, it's Ratchet and Clank, which is all about the guns. And you still could have made it work. It could have been very clever. The gun that Ratchet could have grabbed to defeat Vincent with could have been a flamethrower, right, of some kind. And then the fire Mm -hmm. sets off the sprinklers, and that rusts Vincent. Or Victor. Victor, yes. Did we, did, I I forget now, but did you point out, why this ties back to that earlier scene vis-a-vis sprinklers? Because Victor has expressed uh, concern about water here? Well, no, because in the scene earlier where they're messing around and not listening, 
Uh, they set off the sprinklers. Yes, I did mention that. With the jetpacks. With the jetpacks, okay. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you would think they would just call back to that. You know, that would be the inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. But because this is Ratchet and Clank, and because it's all about the fucking guns, instead, he just gets a gun that creates a rain cloud over Victor. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's this it's... is the point of the movie where I'm like, fuck these writers. Cause... <laughs> it's a shame because, like, like um, Vincent's death is actually really good. Yeah, Victor's death is like, great. Like, they did it really well. But the setup is just... Eh. It's wrong. Yeah, like, it's absolutely not what it should have been. It is quite literally, and I'm... I almost, I won't exactly say it, but I I almost want to say objectively wrong. <laughs> they got this, they got this objectively wrong. If you can get something, demonstrably wrong. Yeah, if you can get something artistic wrong on an objective basis, this is how. <laughs> that's, that's just all there is to it. it. When you literally see the setup and the payoff, and then they deliver something that isn't that and isn't and, and is isn't a subversion it's not, not a subversion no. it's not something clever it's not you know it's oh water hurts him we'll use water they just did something not funny or clever instead of doing something funny or clever as ratchet is led through the halls of the deplanetizer he sees quark chatting jovially with a blarg and ratchet realizes that some shit has gone down uh, Drek then has Ratchet put into a shuttle and orders the destruction of Novalis, which happens while everyone watches, which we know because we're shown everyone watching it. Gotta pad that running time and remind us who's alive after all. Drek gets the part of the planet that he wants. Bad guys are happy. Good guys are sad. Back on Velden, a dejected Ratchet gets rid of all his Galactic Rangers tat. Grim, his dissolution. He is. He's, yes, his, his whole worldview has been shattered. He saw Quark betray him, and now it is like a knife uh, or a dagger in his heart of hearts. Grimroth comes and tries to make him feel better. Tells him th- That's John Goodman again. Yes. Uh, li- little, little bit of a visual gag in the beginning of this where he, doesn't, he can't control his little people lifter crane thing or whatever you call that. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, he tells him that the Galactic Rangers keep calling and gives Ratchet a, a nugget of wisdom about how being hero isn't about doing big things, but right things. And so this oh, is... That's a good moral to have. It's a great moral to have. And I'm so glad that, uh, that they delivered it. I mean, it's, but it's pretty much just keep your expectations lower. <laughs> it's the exact same moral, just reworded. Yeah. 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 Re- reworded in a way that it, it maybe sounds more inspirational. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's... Like, it's, it's emphasizing, you know, being positive. Uh, As opposed to giving still... up in failure, but... <laughs> but but the, the general message is still, you know, don't, don't aim high about accomplishing things. <laughs> Just do your best and, and hope that's enough. And, and, and sad, and don't, futureless and, sacks of shit. And know, know your limitations. You know, a- acknowledge that yeah. that that uh, it's it's okay to do small stuff. And, and and frankly, if I can just get serious for a moment in our deeply divided political time, 
place where where we have uh, uh, all of these issues and all of these horrible things happening. Really, the thing that's such a good point. The thing you can do to evoke change is to get involved on the local level. Do the things that you can do. Do the small things. Organize mm-hmm. with with uh, people who who share your your views and get your voices heard. Um, that's the right thing to do, uh, as opposed to the big thing to do, which would be to assassinate someone. So just keep that in mind. If you're thinking about assassinating someone, maybe think less about doing big things and rather right things. That's where we're going here. Drek holds a funeral for Victor and then admires his nearly completed planet, New Quartu, which uh, just looks like a blasted wasteland. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's pretty sad. Uh, and I like that. I like that it, it, he is so deluded. That he thinks it's beautiful. He's so wrapped up in his own success that he thinks it's this wonderful thing. And it's really just a a terrible, terrible place that his people are going to be living at. Um, Clank shows up at Red... It's almost as if... Hmm? It's almost as if this guy had promised something. I'm I'm not going (laughs) to (laughs) go. We've done that goof enough. Basically, everyone can fill it yeah, in yeah. at home. We don't now. have to write this anymore. That's great. No. Uh, Clank shows up at Ratchet's shop to talk him into coming back to the Rangers. Ratchet's pretty busy feeling sorry for himself, but Clank gets him to come around with the opportunity for redemption just in time for the rest of the Rangers to make a dramatic entrance. Oh, girl, are you ready for your final fact? Oh, I'm so close. I'm going to go. Oh. Last fact. Yeah. And, and it's factually inaccurate so this is interesting um and it kind of diminishes what because it's otherwise an interesting fact but it diminishes the accomplishment of this film Uh, but i will read it just exactly as it is this is the third movie based on a game to have a completely new game made to tie into it so obviously you know ratchet and clank the movie is based on ratchet and clank the game series but we had a Ratchet and Clank game based on the movie. And that's only the third game to have done that. The first was Street Fighter 2, of course. We had mm-hmm. Street Fighter 2, the movie, the game. Right. And the second is Dragon Ball Evolution. Which, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm fairly certain is known predominantly as a manga slash anime than as a video game. Yes, that's, um, yes. Yeah, I I, I even went so far, and I, I, I didn't have to do this because I knew I was right, but I wanted to be, like, so secure, I went and checked to make sure Dragon Ball Evolution wasn't a very specific video game that for some reason that Hollywood thought would make the good basis for the film. Uh, but as far as I can tell, no, they just, whoever wrote it just looked at it and thought it's all video game shit, isn't it? <laughs> so that's the final fact. Uh, the team then embarrasses each other with bad cadet photos as if it were in any way comparable to the embarrassment of allowing the destruction of an entire planet. Ah, oh, don't worry about it, Ratchet. It's okay. Look at how lame I looked when I joined the Academy. Don't you feel better? No! Why would that make you feel better? 
These are horrible people. Also, just a little continuity thing. I thought Brax was a wrestler before he became a cadet, before he joined the... Gla- so, like, that... Like, he should have... I don't know. You know what? Fuck it. I don't care about this movie anymore. Um, it's like I've even got a way they could have done the the photo thing with him to make it funny, but I'm not even going to yep, bother. Yep, not going to bother. Uh, so, Alanya has a plan, and for once, the team listens as she suggests that they could just make the deplanetizer miss the planet by moving it, by redirecting it. Uh, Quark confronts Drek about the attack on the Rangers, and that Nefarious is involved, who Quark knows is evil. Drek knows it too because it was on his resume. That's a good joke. I like that joke. Yeah, I like the red. Yeah. Nef- it's, a, it's a good again. Evil nefarious. Joke. Everything about Nefarious is good. Yeah, except that he's evil. Uh, and the fact that that you know before he finally betrays, you know, before his final plan set into motion, he gets to. Quite literally, due to Quark, what Quark did to yep. him. Yep. Yes. Uh, Nefarious then arrives and suggests that Quark is no better than him for having also betrayed the Rangers and probably worse due to the pettiness of Quark's motivation. Yeah. Uh, and then shoes him out so that he and Drek can continue their dark work. Uh, and basically, yeah, just talk down to him at that point, and Drek gives him a, an embarrassing job he could do on the ship while guarding a they vending have machine, I think, talk. or a water yeah. cooler. Um, which, again, just for some reason, whoever it was who was working on the the uh, nefarious part of the script aced it, knew what they were doing. Um, yeah. Once alone, nefarious turns Drek into a sheep with uh, the sheep. Sheepinator or Sheeperizer? Sheepinator. I don't know. It's a Sheepinator, yeah. Is it? Okay, I was guessing. Yeah, I don't know why I remember that and I can't remember things you've said ten minutes ago. But I remember the Sheepinator. So, yeah, so he effectively takes over the entire operation at this point. Uh, The Rangers gear up for their final stand against the Blarg. Alanya has discovered the final planet, Umbria, and realizes that its destruction would cause a chain reaction, destroying the entire solar system as well. Which seems outside of the scope of Drek's plan. Uh, Zed, Drek's former assistant bot, who uh, has at some point here switched teams. Um, reboot- he did uh, at one point um, in a scene talk to, I think, Clank, asking about the, the terms of his switching sides. No, I, I, wow. It's a very brief aside, like he's his, like, I'd like to talk about switching sides or negotiate switching sides or something yeah. like that, so he switches sides. Um. He reveals that this is because the plan uh, to destroy this planet was Nefarious' idea, Nefarious's idea, his contribution. Um, Nefarious takes Drek, still a sheep, to an escape pod and launches him into the incomplete new Quartu. He then activates the deplanetizer remotely, uh, which will destroy Umbria in 15 minutes or something, giving him enough time to escape, basically. Um, Alanya lays out a complicated plan to infiltrate the Deplanetizer by having Ratchet pose as Quark using fancy technology and, in a few steps performed by Ratchet and Clank, disable the weapon from within, which is executed just as Nefarious is attempting to leave, causing him to return to deal with the Rangers. Quark finds Ratchet, and they have a confrontation where Ratchet also points out that Quark is no better than Nefarious. This is a running theme. They do gunfightings with all the weird guns and Ratchet swinging around and stuff with his little, like, he's got a rope hook thing that he's used several times in this and I've never mentioned in the synopsis up to this point, but he's got it, trust me. 
Quark has Ratchet on the ropes with a tornado gun, but Ratchet appeals to Quark's sense of heroism, and that brings him around. And then Nefarious shows up and gives a big speech about how he did all the work to make the Rangers successful, but was only mistreated as a result, thereby completing his villain arc by expressing his motivation directly to the hero. Um, They argue about one-liners, Nefarious concluding with a uh, rework of one of the most cliché over-my-dead-body lines, and uh, more gunfighting. Nefarious takes down Quark easily, but Ratchet and Clank get away. Outside the Deplanetizer, Brax uses more of the magnet things to shift the position of the Deplanetizer so that it's aimed away from uh, Umbria. This oddly affects the, the planet on the Deplanetizer. I don't understand that. Why, why did they do that? Uh, I was so switched off like they, at this point. The Deplanetizer is moving in space, sure. But... It would still have its own gravity. They, they wouldn't know they were moving upside down in theory. The game ended in a big boss fight. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, the, the... There was none of this shit. There was none of this shit. Like, that's... In that... In that regards, there are some differences with the game. But I think I'd rather the film just end in a big boss fight. As Nefarious fires the uh, Deplanetizer, he actually comes to terms with his own insanity, which is kind of nice. It's kind of kind of a cute moment. Uh, the Deplanetizer misses Umbria, and uh, Drek returns to his normal Blarg form just in time to see that uh, the Deplanetizer actually is going to destroy New Quartu instead. And so he gets vaporized. Nefarious gloats too long about killing Quark. And uh, Ratchet clocks him with his Omni-Wrench, knocking him into the Deplanetizer, where he seems to be disintegrated as well. Uh, The Deplanetizer falls out of the planet's orbit and is now going to crash into Umbria. So as the other rangers watch helplessly from the command ship, Ratchet, Clank, and Quark try to find a teleporter to escape. Quark winds up trapped um, below where the teleporter is and tells... Ratchet and Clank to leave him behind, but they're, of course, heroes. And they yeah. they pry the teleporter pad from the floor and then move it to Quark because I guess that would in no way damage or inhibit the function of the teleporter pad to no longer it, be in its place and connected. It honestly looks so stupid. <laughs> like It looks so fucking stupid. Uh, Kids film, whatever. But they push it off the edge, and they all, like, make contact at the same time and teleport away. And then they have a bonding moment where Ratchet gives the wisdom of an old mechanic to Quark. And then they vomit, which was pretty much my reaction. Uh, Well, yeah, it's the third time we've had the lesson. Ratchet and Clank also part ways, with Ratchet needing to fulfill his promise to fix whatever those things were that Grimroth needed fixing way back in Act 1. Quark writes a book and goes on a promotional tour to, per- to repair his image. But with nowhere else to go, Clank shows up on Veldon and, they dis- and Re- he and Ratchet decide to be buddies forever and defend the galaxy if anyone else tries to destroy a planet. The uh, character yep. credits roll, after which we... And, and actually, I liked, I liked the way they did the credit sequence with the characters. That was cool. It was really, really stylish yeah, and fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was fun. Yeah. And then we got our, our post credit stinger. After... Now, this scene mm-hmm. is 
one of, in, in a concept standpoint, one of the best fucking villain creation scenes I've ever heard of. Mm. And I'm, I'm couching it in with words like concept and heard of. Right. Because the way they do it is obviously nowhere near as horrific as it should have been. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. And it's it's done, it, oddly, for a film that had dragged everything out to this point, they rush it. They do rush it. They, they go so quickly from, here's it beginning, here's the sudden reveal. There's no coming to terms with it. There's no, you know, there, there's no the mirror scene. Right. There's none of that. There's none of him seeing what's happened and going, you know, stark raving. Um, but, I mean, describe the scene. Well, uh, he's, and, it's, and... it's the, the crash deplanetizer on the, the surface of uh, Umbria. And uh, Nefarious has survived it. But this uh, the, the repair robot from Drek Industries uh, that we only saw in that one scene earlier, well, he's back now. And he's trying to repair Dr. Nefarious. And, and you don't see it. You just hear... Doctor Nefarious, like expressing this, so it's it's him describing what's happening to yeah. him, and you see, uh, there's like flashes of uh, like like uh, I guess debris from the explosion and stuff, like electrical flashes. Yeah. So you see like silhouettes of his body, um, it, like twisted and stuff. Um, but yeah, like all these repair robots, because uh, I think several of them eventually rush in, and you just hear him protesting. Yeah. And the the mental imagery is so ghastly. Of clearly his body was fucked to pieces after going in a deplanetizer and being in the wreckage. And then to have robots come in and use the metal around them yeah. to try and fix you like a robot so that you're just like husk of a body is then forced into this steel casing. Like that is such a good fucking concept. Which I don't believe is any part of the original nefarious backstory. No. Um, in fact, I believe that I don't. I don't believe they ever really explain how he became a robot, or or maybe he did it to himself. Mm-hmm. It's been many years since I played up your arsenal. Like 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 I was still in England when I played it. That's how long ago it was. Um, but this this concept as his as his creation as as the robotic Doctor Nefarious, I am in love with the idea. And I am gutted it was not done well enough. Well, it was, but it was done well. It was done in the way that I think it had to be for a family-friendly kids production. You know, it, First, well, I mean, I wouldn't even go that. I wouldn't even say that. I think clearly they couldn't make it. You know, barbaric. No, but uh, they could have stra- they could have dragged it out a little further. Longer. They were yeah. so willing to drag out everything else. That yeah, that's it. Like like they should have had the the repair bots come in. Him and and the movie's in got enough comic violence to where they could have added just like some saw blade sounds or something like that, just to make it sound a bit more violent. A little, a little more of a build up of concern from Nefarious as they're all coming in. Yeah, that's it. Like just show that he's genuinely distressed, not mildly annoyed. And then because he comes out and he screams, "I am not a robot!" and then sees his own clawed hand and laughs. Um, and and that's it really yeah. for that. But. For him, if he'd have dragged himself out and, and, you know, yelled, I'm not a robot, and then maybe seen his reflection in a puddle or something, and then had that Jack Nicholson Joker right. moment of just, like, the final vestige of his mind just going. That is, it is a, um, a missed opportunity, I agree. Yeah, absolutely missed opportunity. But, 
like I just I love that that's the 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 birth of the character. It's such a good yep. thing. I would love Insomniac themselves to maybe extrapolate more on that in a game. <coughs> and that's Ratchet and Clank. That really is. Yeah. There is an actual other post credit scene. Is there? I must not have yep. stuck it out. No, I, I wouldn't have stuck it out either, but I've realized what I can do now is if I'm watching them on the browser, <laughs> just I can just ahead. mouse over to yeah. the end and just be like, okay, so there's an end credit scene. Really not worth it, because it's a fucking end credit scene that's a joke about how there's no end credit scene. Oh, is it one of those, there's nothing else, go leave? I think I did see that. Yeah, it's the dude telling the audience to leave. Yawn. That Boy, old, you, need, you needed one more joke that had been done to death, huh? Fuckers. Yep. So anyway, that's Ratchet and Clank. That is that is it. Yeah, yeah. They should have teased like a, a movie in a you know Galactic Rangers cinematic universe style thing. Oh, that'd have been good. Like do a fake trailer or, or like fake teaser. Like that would have been. I mean, again, we're 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 just making films better for people. Um, that's it. Yeah, that's Ratchet and Clank. That's a film. So, Conrad, did you like Ratchet and Clank Pokemon the first movie or not? <laughs> it was fine, right? Like, it's not... We've seen really bad yeah. movies. We've bagged on this, I think, just because there was nothing else to do. Right. Like, it. there's no real, apart from the Paul Giamatti thing, there's no real spite in me slagging this movie off and saying things like, oh, I don't give a fuck. No. It's just the... You know, this was a... Uh... Uh, it's not... It's To call it bland would be inaccurate. But it is yeah. kind of by the numbers. That's it. It's so rote, it's... it's. I mean, I was going to say it's barely worth talking about. But here we are almost two hours. <laughs> That's either a testament to our talent or our lack of talent. Right. I'm not sure which. I'm erring toward lack. Yeah, I think that's probably a safe bet. Uh, yeah, it's because I think good people like like the kind because we're basically exactly who we've been like slagging off as oh as yeah the writers of the, this film oh, yeah as people who drag things out way too much this should have been a half hour podcast or are lazy lazy and yet yeah. dragging things out and it's it's yeah. because yeah. we don't want to go to the effort to create a whole bunch of stuff so we're just gonna take the little things that we have and stretch them as far as we possibly Pretty can. Pretty much. So, Pretty much. Uh, yes, we're... I mean, in our case as well, it's creative bankruptcy and laziness, because I could also edit this down. Right. But you won't. I won't. Like, it's honestly, like, it's it's annoying just putting the, the little piano music in. <laughs> just the little Kevin MacLeod sound file, just popping that in. That's just... Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I... This is not this is not bad in the sense of it being it's a right. kids movie even. Like it's I liked Wreck It Ralph more for my yeah. modern computer animation. It's thank God it's not pixels. So yeah. I mean it's 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 like the breath of the wild. It's so it's it's just okay. <laughs> you trying to get us killed? <laughs> what are we doing next time, Jim? Uh, well, I think next time may possibly kill us, because mm. not not that long after the last one, we're going back to the Uva Bowl well. If you can even call a hole in a ground that someone's pierced in a well, you can't. 
We're going back to that. And we're fishing out that Christian Slater epic, Alone in the Dark. I'm very excited for this episode. I, I, also starring Stephen Dorff. I, I really am. I'm super excited for this episode because I am um, I'm a big Alone in the Dark fan. And I'm really looking forward to that being just um, pissed all over. <laughs> oh, God, that was a very manic laugh. <laughs> um, I think that's, that's a good point to end. Yeah. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you all so much. Um, anything else you want to add while we're here? Or are you Pe- good with this? People should, uh, people should go listen to Fish Shark Marketing. Uh, at fistshark.com. I mean, yeah, that's a that's a fistshark.com. If you want, if you want examples, like because we've been talking a lot about how you know we do this thing where we drag out a joke or whatever, but if you really want yeah, like some yeah. some clear cut evidence of how that works, go check out fistshark at fistshark.com. Yeah, if you want to hear two men desperately try and make the idea of a frog funny for thirty straight minutes. We got you covered. I got you back. We got pretty good response to that frog. If I'm, if I'm being honest, actually, people really did people like, like the, the frog. They, they really did like the frog. <laughs> um, so, you know, we're at least good at it. Yeah, but I, I yeah. think that's it. I think we're good. That's it. Yeah. Um, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for your support. As always, uh, we'll be back with Alone in the Dark next time, and we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.